Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning and welcome. This is our second week here. Isn't this a great place? Yeah, if you were last here last week, thanks for joining us again. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're in a new Christmas series, and my name is Derek, if I don't know you. So you may have noticed I'm in a boot. Everybody keeps asking what happened, and I say, you know, sliding down the chimney sounds like a great idea until you actually do it. And uh, yeah, pro tip, remove the logs and anything else you might fall onto. No, it was a, uh, wasn't that dramatic, it was a basketball accident. That's the end of the story. So I dunked and uh, pretty much it, it, there was dunking involved. So that's all you need to know, dunking. So if anyone asks, there was dunking involved. Actually, now that you mention it, I was supposed to baptize that night and went to the ER and uh, he asked if we were a full submerging uh, community of people and uh, I said we were. He said, yeah, you can sprinkle, but no dunking. (laughs) So that's pretty much like the theme of my life right now, no dunking. So just can't get in the tank. Sorry, people. Tyler can baptize you next week, though, if, uh, if you're ready for that. So when promises are kept, relationships are strengthened. When promises are kept, relationships are strengthened and community is built. Uh, when promises are broken, relationships are weakened and community is fractured. And God, the creator of this universe, believes in the power of your word. He believes that your word, your tongue, what you say, and then how you back that up actually has power in this world. And it's power to reflect him or it's power to make him look lesser than. And when people called by his name live according to his word and keep their word, people in the community, the perspective of God grows. And when people don't keep their word, uh, the the community just calls us a bunch of hypocrites. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a promise-keeping God and how that lays a foundation for us. There are a lot of young people that go here. And I have, a, I have such a heart for young people. I didn't grow up in the church, and I came to know the Lord as I was kind of struggling with the reality of things in college. And I, 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 I so badly want people to understand and know God intimately so that they can have a, a lifetime of experiences with him that would, would help their children and their children's children know him. But tragically today, they're saying about the, these younger generations, the, the, the Y and Z and millennial generations, that relationships are disposable. You can, um, you can just replace a relationship easily and quickly. 
Uh, back in the good old days, uh, communities were small and you only had so many people you could choose uh, from to be friends with. And you either learned to be friends with those people or you had no friends. Today, you, you have uh, opportunities. In fact, I was just communicating uh, th th in the past 24 hours with a pastor of mine, uh, a friend of mine from uh, Kenya, a pastor friend of mine from, from Pakistan, a pastor friend of mine from the Philippines. Um, and and uh, they've been praying for me. I've been praying for them. And as one wonderful as that is, if, if we don't uh, get in real relationship with those around us, we are missing what God has to offer. And so my hope today for young people is that you wouldn't learn, oh, I probably shouldn't keep any promises because, you know, I'll just break them and then everyone will be mad at me. That's not the goal here. The goal here is to understand who God is, understand his character, and learn to live in the, in the ways that he has called us to live because he believes in in uh, his power in and through you and he will work in and through you to help others uh, in the Blaine area come to know him is that fair as we get started yes all right uh, a little intense to start though I'm gonna ask you some deeply personal questions no one has to answer though this is for you and yourself um, just sitting there I'd like you to reflect on promises and um, and first of all, I'd like you to think, how old were you when a promise that someone had made to you, someone that you really cared about made to you and broke? How old were you when you first experienced a broken promise? And just think on that for a second. Some of you might know instantly, some of you have to look back. The level of broken promises we've experienced actually uh, creates the level of paranoia we have in community like this. There's a direct correlation to experiencing broken promises and our inability to connect with others uh, versus people who have lived in community or families that have kept promises and they, they have a positive outlook of others because no one has given them a reason to think otherwise. Does that make sense? So if you've grown up in a, in, a, in a broken family, if you've grown up around addiction or abuse, you are going to have a lot more difficulty believing what people say than someone who's just grown up in a two-parent household where the grandpa, grandpa and grandma live next door and great-grandma and great-grandpa live down the street and everybody's happy, right? That type of family system believes differently about, about promises than this type of, of family system. But God uh, was born into humanity, into a world full of promise keepers and promise breakers. I just happened to be born into a family of promise breakers. It's probably why this topic is so near and dear to my heart. But if you think about that moment when someone broke a promise to you, the closer you are or were to that person, um, the more that you trusted them and the more hurt you felt when that promise was broken. If you weren't very close, like I said, disposable relationship, you just met them last week, they made a promise, I'll promise you this and that, and then you're like, 
I don't even hardly know you, doesn't hurt that bad. Someone that you put a lot of, of confidence and, and belief in and, and trust in, uh, their, their broken promise is gonna affect you a lot more. But I'd like you to think for a moment back to that time, how you originally felt. Because what's interesting about experiencing a broken promise at an early age is, like I said, it will, it will change the, 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 the direction of your life and how you see others until that promise or broken promise is healed. But did you feel hurt? Were you angry? A lot of times we, 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 we feel hurt and we get this justice bent. We're like, that was wrong. And depending on the age differential, if it was someone that we were similar in age with, we feel like we could have a voice to express that. But if it was someone that was a good deal older than us, we, we feel like we have no voice to express that. But you might have developed a justice bent. You might want to stick up for people who don't have a voice for themselves. And that is uh, God's heart. And so sometimes God lets us experience brokenness so we can relate to the brokenness of others. But sometimes we become passive or hidden or we want to shrink away. But I also want you to think, how did that broken promise make you feel about yourself? Did it make you feel invisible? Like no one even noticed you? Did it make you feel unimportant or disregarded? Like they just, they, they, they just didn't even think about it? Or, do you ha or, or, or did you perhaps think more of yourself than, than you should have? Sometimes we make ourselves heroes or martyrs when something happens. And you see this on social media, you know, every little thing has to be about that person because it helps us cope with pain when we can see uh, ourselves or, or how we were affected in it. Um, but, but the truth is, whether we uh, press in or shrink back, whether we think less of ourselves or more than ourselves, we are all respond to dis disappointment and hurt and brokenness in, in a real significant way. And all of us have been disappointed. Now, it's easy to love people, and Jesus talks about this, how it's easy to love people uh, who love us back, but how, how are we to love people uh, who have broken promises in our lives? My dad, in my story, my dad said that he would always be there. Uh, he said that he loved us, but tried to explain how he didn't love my mom anymore. Uh, it doesn't make sense when you're a kid for a parent to say, I love you, but I ran out of love for another parent. And so kids try to process this in the best kid way that you can, um, thinking that kid love doesn't run out, but, but mom and dad love might. This is how I felt. Perfect. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, high five afterwards. Slip you, slip you the candy. That was perfect. Yeah, that was so perfect. Um, but my dad said that he'd always take care of me and that he'd take care of my, my brothers and my sister. He said that he'd always love me. And, and, um, and that, that love and that trust and that promise was all significantly broken. And it was broken in such a way that I, I, like I said, I distrusted all relationships. My, my dad's broken promises gave me a sense of suspicion or distrust with any, any person that I would meet. 
my dad was an addict and um and all addicts are promise breakers uh, the first promises that they break are promises to themselves. They promise to never do the things that they end up doing, and then they end up doing those things, and then they have to make promises to, to people when they're caught that they will never do it again. And, um, and then you're in this cycle with someone you love who keeps breaking their promises. When addiction wins, loved ones around the addict are left to pick up the pieces of broken promises. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Aren't you, aren't you happy you came to, <laughs> came to church this morning? I'm just getting ready for Christmas. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's do this, Christmas. At Christ the King, though, we are trying to create an authentic community. And how can we keep it real? How can we keep it 100? Unless we're willing, that's what the kids say, by the way. Um, the kids, whoop, whoop. Um, how can we keep it real? Unless we're, we're willing to talk about the very things that hurt us and keep us from the life that God intended. And we've all been hurt, and we've all been disappointed, and we've all experienced the pain of broken promises. And when a person is hurt, consciously or subconsciously, our brain and our heart, they team up. And they team up together to prevent us from never being hurt again. The problem, though, with our head and our heart is they're deeply rooted in us. And us is deeply rooted in us. And our usness misses God's godness until we allow the brokenness in us to be redeemed by the healing that can only be found in Him. So, our head and heart, they're doing the best that they can to know how to protect us. But God wants to heal our soul, wants to heal the part of us that is eternal and lasts forever. And sometimes uh, it means that, that, um, that our hurt uh, ha has affected how we're thinking. Sometimes our hurt has affected how we feel. And God wants to, to free us from that so that we can think rightly, so that we can feel rightly, and so that our f soul experiences the freedom that he uh, created us to have. So... Our series is called Light the Way, and we're looking specifically at how Jesus has been revealed as the light of this world. And so, how has Jesus revealed himself as the promised light? Have you ever known God to break a promise? I mean, think about it. I was mad at God for over a decade because I believed that he had wronged me. I believed that he was either trying to punish me directly or that he had power to change my situation and chose not to do it. The first situation made God cruel. And the second situation made God cruel, right? If God punishes you for, for seemingly no reason, that means he's cruel. If God has the power to help and doesn't do it, doesn't that make him cruel as well? I felt stuck believing in the idea of God because how could I believe, let alone worship, a cruel God? And really, to, to be totally transparent, my problem was I misunderstood God's presence in the midst of trial. 
never says that we avoid trial. The Bible never says that we will avoid difficulty. The Bible never says that God is going to surround us with people that are just so easy to get along with that we'll never have any personal problems ever. It just doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says that in this world, we will have trouble. But he has overcome the troubles of this world. He's overcome death and pain and suffering. In fact, the Bible states that God wants to be with us in the midst of our problems. And as I looked back, uh, I'd grown up with a family line of tragedy. And and, uh, it was just tragedy after tragedy. And as I looked back at those tragic instances in my life, I began to realize God had been there. I didn't know him. I didn't know what to look for. But as I started looking back uh, over a decade before, I realized God was there. And God wanted to comfort me. I just didn't see it. His words were there. His eternal words of truth were there wanting to encourage me. Um, I, I, I just didn't know how to receive them at the time. And though others around me broke their promises, Jesus never did. God is a promise-keeping God. We're looking at this morning. So it brings us to our first point. Jesus came to fulfill God's promises. Jesus came to fulfill God's promises. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be reading from a wonderful Christmas passage in Genesis 15. This has nothing to do with Christmas, but uh, you'll see why I love it so much in hopefully five minutes. And then we will just stand up in declaration that Jesus is Lord and we'll go out and take this town from him because we'll be so excited that God's word is true. Yes. Okay. No, I, I, uh, I read this passage quite a few times and uh, never saw it. Uh, what I'm about to show you this morning. So uh, seeing this, I kind of want everybody to know what's going on. So are you familiar with the word covenant? Yes, because I didn't grow up in church. I told you that, right? So I had no idea what covenant was. Um, and so this whole concept of covenant Uh, was a new concept to learn. And for those of you that aren't familiar, a a covenant is like a super promise. A covenant is a promise with consequences. A covenant is two parties agreeing to something, and were that uh, agreement to be broken, there would be a penalty for those who entered into that promise, into that covenant. Uh, a, a covenant is a promise that a person is bound to keep. So a few thousand years ago, it was very common among the people of God to make covenants or promises. And what they would do is they would take a living, healthy animal, usually an animal without spot or blemish, and they would take this animal and they would divide it in two. Okay? They would cut it in half. Right? What happens when you cut an animal in half for those of you that live farther in the, out in the county than I do. Uh, there's blood, right? There's a lot of blood. And so an animal is cut in two and there is, is blood there. Now there is symbolism happening all over this ceremony, but basically one half is placed over here 
and then another half is placed over here. And the person who is making the covenant would walk between the pieces, okay? Now I had you go back and think of, of, of you know, when you first experienced a, a, a broken promise. Um, pretty sure none of you experienced this ceremony before that promise was made, right? But this promise is basically someone saying, if, if I were to break my word, then let what happened to this animal happen to me. Let me be broken. Let me bleed. Let me die. Right? So strong communities are built when people's word is kept. And, and when there is high respect for that community, people are motivated to keep their word because they, they want to, they want everyone in a community that they respect to respect them. So a communal ceremony becomes the community helping the person keep it, that promise, whatever it is, when it becomes difficult. Um, does that make sense? Like, hey, we love you, we don't want you to die, probably just keep your word. Um, so, and a promise is incredibly serious if breaking it leads to death. So now God makes several covenants with his people. And every time, if you study covenants throughout scripture, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how God keeps his covenant. We serve a promise-keeping God. But specifically in this Old Testament passage, it happens about 2,000 years before Jesus is born. And I'd like you to see what's happening here. Um, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, I, I don't know about you, but what if God appeared to you and said, I am your very great reward? I'd be pretty excited. I'd be like, yeah, Derek, I am your great reward. I would feel like, there you are. Like, I've been waiting. Like, is that you, God? Now, Abram must not have been that excited about hearing God's voice or he was used to it because his response wasn't, oh my goodness, God, you are everything. You are right. Let me, let me give all I have and worship you. His response was, God, you know that I've had this desire and there's this thing that I've wanted that I don't have yet. In verse 2, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. I don't get to, to have a legacy, God. Uh, it feels like this is going to be one and done. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who's your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up to the sky. Look at the popcorn ceilings and count its pops. <laughs> so will your offspring be. That's the Blaine version. <laughs> and then it says, Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Like he just believed. It wasn't just like, oh yeah. No, it was like, yes. 
And we see this when he goes and, and he's willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. He is about the, 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 like God, whatever you say, whatever you do, I will follow you, but I do want a son, but even my son I will give to you. So there is a level of belief here that God calls righteous. Um, but what I want you to see here is Abram just wants one and God promises many. So the Lord says to him, and, and here's where we see a covenant ceremony happening, right? Okay, Derek just taught us about this a couple minutes ago. I get it. We're going to cut some things in half. It's going to be bloody. Bring me a heifer. Sorry, heifer. A goat. This was a bad day for that goat. A ram, uh, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abram brought all these to, to him. He cut them in two. And he arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. And then all these birds start coming down, and they and and, and they start trying the the uh, animals that he's got laid out. And so he's got he's got to drive them away. But I want I want to stop right there because this is such a significant passage. If we get this, we can better understand the character of God. And often we think that God is who we assume he should be. And sometimes it's based on what others have said or what we've read or heard about or just what we think. But God, the very creator God, doesn't want us to understand him based on what someone else said. Doesn't want us to understand him based on how we think he should be. He wants us to know who he truly is at a deep, deep, deep level. And God is a promise-keeping God. And in this passage, Abram knows that he's being asked to prepare for this covenant ceremony. And so all he's doing is he's just waiting for God to tell him what he is making a covenant to do. Right? So, okay, God, I'm ready. What am I supposed to covenant to do for you? So a few other things about covenants. It was typical for a lesser party, such as a land borrower, like a farmer, to make a covenant with a greater party, like a landowner, and and they would they would commit to this covenant ceremony, and they would walk through the pieces, saying, "I will take care of your land, and I will give you a return on on what I make. And if I don't, if I try to steal from you, then then let me be put to death. Let me be broken. Let me die. Could you imagine making this type of agreement with your landlord? <laughs> like, sorry, the rent was late." just a couple days. But these people took borrowing seriously and they took their word seriously and their word was this, was their bond. Something we might be more familiar with though is in marriage, a couple would walk through the pieces together. They would separate an animal and they'd walk through the pieces saying they would rather die than break their marriage covenant. Now, also, if two business partners started a business together to make sure that one of them wasn't swindling or robbing from the other, they, they would often walk through the pieces together. They'd make a, a, a mutual agreement and a covenant to, do, to be fair and to do their part. So while we see instances uh, throughout history of lesser making covenant with the greater um, or two equal parties making covenant together, what we're about to see is unheard of. 
Okay, so I want you to get that. Like I said, I read over this, read over this, read over this, studied covenants for a while, came back and said, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. If this is true, this is the gospel right here. If this is true, everything changes for you and I. Okay? So when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch. We're doing this Light of the World series. The light of God appears and passes between the pieces. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The, the light, the power, the presence of God appears and passes between the pieces. What does this mean? This means God says, I am going to make an agreement with you, and if you mess up, I'm going to be broken. I'm going to bleed. I'm going to die. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? So we see the light of God making a promise that though you may not keep your promises, I will keep my promise with you. The light of God offered to bleed, to be broken, to die. And this is the mind-blowing difference between the God of the Bible and any other faith system. Other faith systems will say, you, here are the ways that you can be better or that you can try harder. And the God of the Bible says, I know you. I created you. I love you. You will get it wrong. But when you do, I will step down from heaven and I will take all of the punishment upon myself and I will give you a new covenant of love and if you receive it, you will receive my spirit which will then allow you to live in the way that I intended. But God didn't have to make a covenant. Didn't have to make it with Abram or, or the descendants that were to come. And this means Jesus didn't have to die. God chose to make a covenant, which means God chose to die. Jesus chose to die. But God knew that Abram and those born after him were incapable of keeping their promises, that we would all become promise breakers. Jesus chose to leave the comfort of heaven to be crowned king, fulfill the promises of what was prophesied hundreds and thousands of years earlier from who the family line would be that he was born into. And if you read the first part of Matthew and the first part of Luke, you can see the lineage that Jesus was born into that fulfilled those promises. And Jesus did all this because he knew we were incapable of holiness, but we were very capable of love. Jesus knew that we were incapable of keeping our promises apart from him, but he loved us anyway so that we could learn to live life with him. He loved us to the point of shedding blood, to the point of death. And that's the next point of the outline is Jesus came to fulfill the law of the covenants. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, don't think I've come to abolish the law. I haven't come to abolish them, 
but to fulfill them. And there's often confusion between Old Testament law and what freedoms we have because of what Jesus has done in the fulfillment of New Testament. But we, we must be clear that Jesus fulfilled the law and he fulfilled what the prophets had said about the upcoming Messiah. And some of those prophecies um, we, we wait for still. But Levitical law set God's people apart. And it showed both how they were altogether different and how they were to live differently in light of this. This helped establish God's priority in all things. But, but the law... Uh, while it was intended to help, it didn't bring the, the freedom that the people were looking for. In fact, they were bound to it, and, and they made up more laws, and they, they, they started judging each other more, and people became outcasts because there were people that they thought could keep the law, and people that they thought didn't keep the law, and they liked these people, and they didn't like these people, and it caused a very divisive culture, and that's what Jesus was born into. But Jesus fulfilling the law and all of God's covenants comes and gives us a new covenant. And he wants the law that was previously on tablets and scrolls to be written in our hearts, on our hearts. He wants to make us people of a new covenant, a promise-keeping people who will live and love like Jesus because his spirit lives in us. It doesn't mean we, we are less holy. It means we actually can become now uh, the embodiment of holy if God's Holy Spirit lives in us. So the new covenant removed some Levitical restrictions you love that. You say that all the time. Like, hey, you're living under Levitical restrictions. Is that cotton blend? Levitical restriction. You got a tattoo? Don't do that. Right? Those are Levitical restrictions. They were removed. And why were they removed? So that God would be accessible to all people. So the reason that we're not practicing some of those things, we don't have covered headdress, uh, is because God removed uh, th those practices so that all people, not just the Hebrew people, so that all people could have access to God. And not all people can keep the law um, or what the law required, but all can come to him through new life and belief in Jesus. And new life results in new ways of living. That's our last point. Jesus came to restore holy practices. There's a lot of confusion around the word holy, but it's very simply holiness only comes from God. For something to be holy, it must originate with the one who is holy. So we can have moral practices or religious practices, but it's impossible for you and I to make something holy. Only God can make something holy. And since God is the only one who is holy, he's the only one who can help us live a holy life that he desires. Um, the law wasn't enough, even though it required sacrifice and obedience. And there's this great passage, uh, the writer of Hebrews states um, from Hebrews 10, it says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. In verse 5, therefore when Christ came into the world, he said sacrifice and offering, he's talking to God, you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me. 
with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Those offerings were not enough. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And by that will, we've all been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And for, for those of you that have grown up around brokenness or difficulty, that feel disqualified the way that I did, this is incredible news. This means that even though we've blown it or that people around us have blown it, that God can redeem all things and he can redeem all people. And this is good news. This is good news as we head into uh, Christmas. Jesus came to restore holy practices by allowing us to be with him in all that we do. So it's not about acting holy. It's about being in his presence. And it's his presence that makes what we do holy. Jesus was the promised light in the beginning, the promised light fulfilled on earth, and the promised light we wait while he is yet to return. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I said a lot and I get excited about different portions of scripture, but God, could we hold on the fact that you are a promise-keeping God? God, would you help us believe this morning that you keep your promises and that when we're hurt, or struggling with other people that have broken their word or let us down. That we could know, God, that you have never broken your word. And that you don't let us down. And God, not only can we find uh, the, 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 the truth of you in who you are. Because, Jesus, you chose to walk between the pieces and then walk on earth and then take that, that beating unto yourself and be broken by yourself and to bleed and to die. We can know you. The curtain was torn. We don't have a lot of rules to follow, but we do need to know that you are who you said you are and we need to step in to your presence you say in Revelation that you stand at the door and knock. And sometimes we don't open up to you, God, because other people have let us down. And I know I punished you for years because of how other people had let me down. Instead of understanding, you never did. And so, God, there's got to be people in this room that feel distant from you. And there's got to be people in this room that feel hurt by others. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would work in this place to heal those relationships, first with you and then with others. God, so that we can live rightly and respond rightly in a really complex world. God, we want to learn to love like you. And as a result, live like you. God, to be people that walk and live in love, that can keep our word because we keep in constant relationship with you. And when we keep close to you, God, you help us uh, do things that are sometimes difficult but always right. 
God, would you help the people of CTK Blaine be women and men of their word that show and shine the love of Jesus and the light of Jesus, your promised light that you spoke of and fulfilled so that the people around here may see and know the truth of who you are and experience similar healing this season. In your name, Jesus. Amen.